Amen. 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 Man, just another word, just about what we talked about, about um, our giving. Make sure that you put it in an envelope and mark it building, um, building so that we can know how to allocate those resources. And um, we're praying that everyone's able to, to participate. And whatever level God gives you the grace to give, we want you to give anyway, no matter the amount. But we're shooting for that goal to be able to see God do something amazing as we move forward as a church. Um, we, we, we've been going through um, a series on Hot for Jesus. And the big thing about this series for, for us and the focus that we wanted to get out of it was that our spiritual lives would be absolutely transformed. That our spiritual formation would be, uh, would be blazing with a passion for Jesus Christ. Being on fire for Jesus is not just merely the new believer's call and passion. Most people think that, oh, you must be a young believer because you're on fire for Jesus. No, being on fire for Jesus is the entirety of our Christian lives is the pursuit of being hot for him. And so we called it hot for Jesus because God the Father loves it when people are hot for his son. He, he loves it when people are passionate about his son because there's no one more passionate for Jesus than God the Father and God the Spirit. They are deeply concerned with him and they are attracted to and concerned with whether or not we as the people of God um, value him and want to uh, pursue him and execute his goals in every single area of our life. And so today we're going to talk about faith. Say faith. Yeah, this is going to be important. We're going to do a, a deal today on faith. Next week we'll get, we'll talk about the word, you know, because I think we can cap this so we end the series next week. So I got to finish this today, and, 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 but it's going to be very important that we see faith as one of the means of grace which God has provided for us. A means of grace is just an unmeritorious way in which God allows us to connect to what he wants to provide for us. That's a means of grace. A means of grace is God's non-meritorious way. It doesn't count as a work. But it's something that he used as a mechanism to release to us what he's waiting to release for us. And today we're going to talk about faith. It's exciting to talk about faith. And we're going to be in one of my favorite verses in the scripture, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It's my favorite, two of my favorite verses. And it is interesting that even though we've talked about prayer, Paul talks about faith in the context of prayer. And I really want us to really zoom in on and really look at this. Because today we, we have a very shallow understanding of faith. No matter what Christian circles you go in, you will hear all types of different dynamics and, and focuses in faith. And, 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 and today we want to crush the beef biblically between what the Bible says faith is and how it's executed and what man says it is. I mean, we, we, we watch movies where people say they have faith in their own hearts. We watch shows where people say, I have faith in you, which we understand what they mean when they say they have faith in someone. But for the Christian, um, Paul wants us to see the reality of faith in a much more redemptive and massive way. And so in light of that reality, we hear the verse quoted, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things. 
and the evidence of things. Very important understanding of faith. God defines what faith is. So the first part of this, I want us to define faith, but then I want us to see what faith, you know, the massiveness of faith and how we execute faith properly. Because one of the things that I'm concerned with, especially in reform circles or, uh, uh, or, 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 or what we would call conservative circles, is there's a bit of faithlessness that's promoted as a way of living that's really not a biblical understanding of faith. For most people, they don't see, especially for people who like the word, 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 sometimes it can feel like faith doesn't go past justification. And so today we want to really begin helping us work through the beauty and power of a faith-filled life as one of the key components of a growing Christian. You cannot grow if you're not walking in faith. Faith is not a past thing. The Bible describes it as a continuous thing. And, and so you have to be a people of faith. We're not a faith-based organization. We're a faith-focused organism. There's a difference, and I'll explain that reality as we walk through that and as we talk through that as the church. But faith is the substance. Say substance. Substance, that word doesn't do it any justice. Substance, that word there means assurance or confidence. See, the, the center of faith is the, 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 the reality and the passion that God, for us as believers, that something is able to happen. That's, that's the center of faith. It's a confidence about it. It's a, I don't even know if these two words can go, to, go together, but a humble swagger. Faith is a humble swagger. See, when you trust the right person for the right stuff, you can have swagger. It just has to have humility, and I'm going to explain that. See, 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 because faith is, is, is confidence. It's, it's like, even when you're crying, your tears are swagger that you're pressing and believing God for something. Somebody going to hear me in a minute. Because, because, because confidence, you as a believer have to be confident. Now, we're going to talk about the anatomy of our confidence. Because some of us have the wrong anatomy, and I'm not talking about your physical body. But he said, it's, it, it, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Hope. Say hope. Hope is one of the pillars of the Christian faith. Faith, hope, and love are the three pillars of the Christian faith. Now, let's, let's look at this idea of hope. I've told you this before. You cannot have faith without having hope. See, Paul says we are, when we go through difficulty, it's okay to be perplexed, but it's not okay to be despairing. Despair is the loss of hope. Perplexity says, God, I'm confident that you're going to do something in particular, but the situation around me is a little confusing. But I am not going to let the confusion of time affect how I look at eternity. Somebody ought to hear me today. And, and see, faith being a, 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 a substance of things hopeful means that there is a visual picture 
of what you've connected to that God would actually provide that you're looking for him to do. If you don't have a picture of a preferred future, you are hopeless. Let me say that again. If you don't have a picture that's different than things are in your life right now, you are not walking in faith. You can say, I believe all you want. But if you don't have a picture of some type, a sketch of some type, a blueprint of some type that's connected to this Bible and flows from the Bible, you can't have faith. And so faith is the substance. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, it hasn't happened. But your faith and the mental picture of that preferred future that God has provided is the provision of it without it actually happening because you're confident that it's going to happen. Somebody going to get that in the car on the way home. Evidence of things not seen. So the only thing that's evidence that what you're picturing is going to take place is the fact that you believe that it's going to happen in connection to the word of God. Are you with me? And so it's extremely important for us to understand this idea of faith. Faith is believing God to, to, for a preferred future. And some of us right now, if you look at your present, you need some faith right now. Because some of us need a preferred future because some of the things that we prefer right now, God ain't with. Oh, hit a, hit a chord, didn't I? But I'm trying to let you know that, listen, God even is looking for your preferred future. He shapes it. He ordains it. He providentially brings it to pass. But the question is, can you see, can you see glimmers of it yet? And it takes time to do that, and we're going to dive into all of that today. I like the way one guy said, faith, belief, trust, and loyalty to a person or thing. Christians find their security and hope in God as revealed in Jesus Christ. And say amen to the unique relationship to God in the Holy Spirit through love and obedience as expressed in lives of discipleship and service. So it's a, it's, it's a part of the fabric of being a Christian. It is not biblical. Now, this is where I agree with some of the sectors of Christianity where they say they don't speak, don't speak that and that type of thing. I, I, some of that, some, the, the, the part of it that says you create things with your words is foul, right? However, though, there is truth in the reality of not letting anything temporal get in the way of your confidence in what God is going to bring to pass. And so I think the sense of it is, is one part of it's okay, we don't, we don't create things with words. There's only one person that's able to do that, and that's God. God is the only one able to, to speak into nothing and something that never existed had to obey. Oh, y'all going to hear me in a second. God, God came out on the corridors of eternity on the skirt of time, and he called into blackness and said, light. Come here, fam. Light was like, whoa, I never existed, but here I come. Oh, oh, somebody going to hear me in here today. Listen, God is the only one that can man non-existence to obey. He's the only one that can do that. So you can call with your words if you want to, but the creator doesn't have to stamp it. So faith isn't commanding and the free will to make what happened what we want to happen, there are guidelines 
that the blueprint has in what is properly executed for us to have faith in and for God to make happen. Somebody ought to hear me. I like Martin Luther. Martin Luther says, not the king, O'Head, O'Head, white dude from back in the day. Faith is God's work in us that changes us and gives us new birth from God. It kills the old Adam and makes us completely different people. <laughs> it changes our hearts, our spirits, our thoughts, and all our powers. Faith is a living, bold trust in God's grace. So certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting in it. Such confidence and knowledge of God's grace makes you happy, joyful, and bold in your relationship to God and all creatures. See, when we go over Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is about to cut a plum fool with how he's talking right now. He's going to talk big talk. He's going to talk big boy talk. He's going to talk humble swagger talk. He's going to talk meek Christianity talk. He's going to challenge you and get in your grill like this. And say, what's good, family of Christ? What you going to do? What you believe in God for? So he's going to dig into this text, and he's going to rip in your soul and cut you up so that you can be lifted up. Somebody, oh, my God. Faith. Let's, let's look at Ephesians. Let's look at Ephesians. Chapter 3, verse 20. And we're going to chop through each section of this real slow. I may not even finish it today. I'm just going, I'm just going, I'm just going to chop through, we're going to walk through each section under the power of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. Now, hold on, hold on, let me give context. Let me give context. I'm getting, I'm getting so excited, I'm getting ahead of myself. Woo! All right. Context. Right now, Paul is letting the church know its identity. Its identity. Based on the identity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to throw something up here. <laughs> I mean, in other words, your DNA comes from God. Not that you become a little God. Boo! That theology. Boo! Boo! Alright? However, we do take on redemptive characteristics that make us reconformable to the image of God through Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is doing is based on brand new DNA evidence that you belong to God through Jesus Christ. He challenges the church. He says, this is who you are, but not only this is who you are, but this is how you execute who you are in relationship to being in community with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He said, if you're not walking in faith, you're not walking in kingdom community. So he says, in the first part of the verse, he's praying, and at the end of his prayer, Paul just goes crazy. And he says, I think Paul at this time, he was probably shouting while he was writing. And I think he just got excited while he was writing and just started jumping while he was writing. The Holy Spirit was still controlling his hand, superintending the writing of Scripture. And he says, now unto him. Stop. Stop. Just don't go nowhere else. Don't read past him. 
That, that's the most important word in the verse. Him. Yeah, him. Not now unto them. That's my Baptist coming out. <laughs> but now unto him. Ah! But see, 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 when Paul is saying, I don't want anything, any place, or anyone else to be the object of your faith. Some of us have faith in what we're believing God for, not in the God who provides. See, the direction and place of your faith, family, is boomingly important. See, some of us get excited about a redemptive picture or a non-redemptive picture. And we get excited about it and forget the one who provides. Because, see, listen, if you get wrapped up in the picture and God sovereignly ordains hell to break loose, then the screen on the eight, you got 1080p, 600 hertz, flat screen, vision of your future. Then all of a sudden, when hell breaks loose, it goes. See, when you're just looking at the screen of your future, but not of the God who paints and provides that future, you're going to get an empty screen and God is going to have to put on the broadcasting network test. Paul says, I don't want you to believe in anybody else and place your faith. We, you, you're not, listen to me. You don't step out on faith. Oh, you thought you stepped out on faith, don't you? Try it. I wish you would step out on your faith. The ground will crumble right as you put your, 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 your ingrown toenail on top of it. Once one of your coins touch your faith, it's going to crumble apart because faith is not strong enough to sustain you. You don't step out on faith. You step out on him. There's a difference. You're not, because if you step out on your faith, you're having faith in your faith. And if you have faith in your faith, ain't nothing going to happen because the only one that can make that happen is you. And that's why you need faith because you need somebody other than you. <laughs> and so you step out on him. We, 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 one of our values is Christocentrism. So it's going to be real hard for it to feel real man-centered up in here because it ain't about us. And our center of our faith is on Jesus himself. And so the centrality of Christ in your faith as the mechanism and provider and tweaker of what you're hoping for. See, when your faith is in him and not just the picture, he can edit what you're believing him about. Because you can believe God for something that's, that's not necessarily sinful, but it may not be what he wants to bring to pass. And so when he's not bringing the, it to pass, you'll get frustrated. But if you're looking at him, you just say, edit God. Somebody said, I thought you'd believe it. You said, nah, I'm just letting them edit. 
Some of you all lost your job. God's just editing. God is just editing. Some of you all lost a relationship. Your girlfriend, your boy. God just said, I'm just editing. See, I hate it when my English teacher would, I mean, tear, I mean, listen, I would want to just fight my English teacher because I had to pay 10 cents for that copy of paper and that joker went to work on my essays and my papers and what she would do is she would give it to me and she would allow me to make the corrections and resubmit it. And when I resubmitted, she changed the grade because I submitted to her edits. See, God is the same way. He, will, he is editing some of you guys' lives right now. He's editing your direction. He's editing your passions. He's editing the way you're thinking. He's editing where you go to school. He's editing where you work. He's editing where you live. He may be editing where you go to church because God is going to get his glory out of your life if it takes all of him to do it. But you can't see editing as hatred. It's a deep love and passion to see you become who he wants you to become. And so Paul says, honey, got away from my nose. Now unto him. Yeah, him. But what's powerful, what about him do we have faith in that allows what we're believing God for to come to pass? Beautiful question. Romans chapter 10, 17 explains that. Romans chapter 10. So faith, I like the King James Version on this one, cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, that, that, that can be a cliche, but if you miss that verse, you will never see anything God wants to do come to pass. Faith comes by hearing and hearing not just stuff. Not just somebody telling you your purpose is going to come to pass. That's not the word of God. The word of God is the revealed written word of God, not a rhema from a man. Yeah. So when we talk, we're talking about the logos that's written in the scriptures. So faith comes by hearing. That means you have to be in the word, listening to the word, and digesting the word. And when that happens to you, your prayer life gets impacted based on the level of impact that the word of God is having on you then it shapes what you would envision and what you would believe God for so that when you pray it, God's cool with it. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, so, so listen, the word of God is to faith like oil is to fire. If there is no coagulant, for fire. Fire, no matter how much oxygen it has, can't continue to burn. Therefore, it needs something. I dare you, don't do this. But I, it's Lysol and, and, and some matches. Or you blow that Lysol across that fire, it goes, floosh. You'd be like, first time it scared you the first time. You know, we was crazy. You know, light a match or, 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 and, and, and foosh, and then we get scared and drop the match. But the more we would spray on the fire, the thing that makes the fire move, 
the more the fire would catch more fire and push out more fire. That's what the word of God is to faith. The word of God is the spray can for your faith. And when you spray the word of God on your faith, it moves your faith in the right direction. See, that's what the word of God does. And some of us are spraying our own desires on faith and frustrated at the end. But God is saying, I want you to be renewed in me and spray the right things on the fire of your faith. I got to move past that. We've been on that too long. Now unto him. Him being what he believes, what his way of thinking and doing things, his character, what he's cool with. That doesn't mean be timid. And asking God and talking to God about stuff because he'll edit. But then, then Paul goes further. He says, now unto him, then he said, who is able? <laughs> See, he gives you one of the attributes of God. His omnipotence. See, he could have named now unto him who is gracious. He could have said, now unto him who is loving. Now but he says, now unto him who is dunamis, who is power. That's the word there. Able. The one who is able to execute what you're believing him for. Yes, yeah, see, you have to know God's character in order to know what to believe him for. But the focus of this text right now is that he's able. Some of us need to know he's able today. Some of us know, need to know that God actually has power. And just because God didn't move the way you wanted him to move doesn't mean he has power. God is finicky about where he executes his power. He's finicky. He's finicky. He got problems with play. He, he's, he's not our cosmic genie. You don't rub the bottle and God, Jesus Christ, come out and carry on. Some of some, your wishes, my command. Three wishes. Bash that with a sledgehammer. We should be the ones who submit to him like that. So, 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 so God being power means that he executes his power the way he wants to. In other words, God is not like my son's portable video game. See, my son has to play his video game, and sometimes he'll say, he's not acting right, Daddy. And I'll say, what's wrong? He says, it's shutting down. And I said, well, son, you just need to recharge the batteries. And he'll recharge the batteries and place it back into his game, but his game has limits because it's not a power source on its own. See, God is different. God doesn't need anybody to plug him into an outlet. He is the generator. You need to understand that. God is power by nature. He can't help but be powerful. He's a big, gorgeous, smoking, beautiful, uh, uh, I mean, he's spiritually in shape in his power. I mean, there is nothing unliftable by God. There is nothing unmovable by God. There is no door that you can lock with deadbolts and chains that God can't break open. He's powerful and limitless in it, but he is also very meticulous in what he puts his name on. 
And so when he says, now unto him who is able, he's letting God's people, he says, listen, y'all acting like God is like this puny dude sitting up there real skinny on a throne um, with a beard hanging down and it's a plaid at the bottom of it and a barrette at the bottom of his beard. And he's like sitting up there like, um, man, what, what, what are we going to do up here? Now, God is not this punk God sitting up there, the man upstairs, the wrinkled old man that ages. He's the ancient of doggone days. God won't wrinkle in his essence. God doesn't need to put on face cream, oil au volet. It will help you look younger too. God don't need none of that. God doesn't need to go to God. Listen, God is timeless, ageless, and as just as vital as he was in eternity past as he is right now. God doesn't lose his vigor. God doesn't lose his depth. God doesn't need recharging. Listen, God is God all by himself. Mama said he doesn't need anybody else. Power. Power. That's why when Jesus was walking past. Homegirl say. Homegirl say. Jesus said, Jesus wasn't looking. He wasn't even looking. That's bananas. He wasn't even looking. He said, somebody touch me. And, and the disciples was like, like we, Jesus, like, it's a mob around you. He said, nah. He says, they got their hands on me. But they didn't touch me. There's a touch, and then there's a touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, some of y'all ain't touched him yet. See, some of y'all ain't. See, when when you know that he's able and he already is made available and willing to release some stuff on your life, you'll grab him and he will bring it to pass. That's how powerful he is. Now under him. Who is able? Let's move on. We can stay there all day. Oh, my God. He's able. Oh, he's able. He's able. It's not only said he's able. Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly. I didn't even get my points. I ain't even going to give them. Let's just walk the text. Now unto him who is able, that's crazy, to do far more abundantly. The Greek word there for far more abundantly is really a one word. It means super abundant. It means massively abundant. It means that when God, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, when it says abundantly, God, when you pray something to him, that's in his will, he upgrades your prayer. Above what you can ask or think. Think about that. Don't bust a blood vessel. Think about that right now. See, God, see, this is why I know God got swagger. And he ain't some dude up there, oh, he's got swagger. He's a divine showboater. And it won't, it's not sinful. He's a, he likes to floss himself. 
He likes looking at himself in the mirror because he's just that spiritually fine. Yeah. He flosses a lot. And the way he loves to floss is in your life. That's why it's unto him, not you or them. He, in other words, he's able to do super abundantly all that you ask. Stop there. That means I want you to ask God for something that you know that's in his will. And he will give you more than what you ask for on steroids. Oh, yes, he will. And then he says, or oh, think. Now, that's goofy. That's just dumb right there. He says, your mind isn't even able to conceive the level of what God wants to do in you. But he gives you the grace to get the visionary picture of hope in your mind based on being in his word, focused on him and his son, and you picture it, and then God still upgrades. Let me see if I can make it plain. I know y'all went, y'all been, you know, take your cell phone in, there's something wrong with it. And on the way there, you wishing, when you take it there, that they give you a free upgrade, don't you? I know you do. The new phone came out, and your phone just happened to break down, Christians. When the new phone came out. You know what I'm saying? So the new phone came out, so, tag, man. Whoops. Wow, I dropped my phone. Wow, got to take it in. And you go in, and when you take it in, they do a diagnostic on it and give you a new version of what you already had. But see, you don't have to punk God like that. See, God says, give it here. And what he will do is he will upgrade you automatically to new generation. Y'all talking about 3G, 4G. We talking about eternal G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a generation to describe what God does. See, some of y'all got a little old puny God. Maybe, God, if you would kind of think about trying to, um, I mean, you will, I mean, no. When I was in seminary, and y'all know I love my seminary journey, both of my, all them little seminary degrees. And I would get in there, and the, 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 the professor would pray, and he'd say, well, God, we're frail. We're dust. We're a mess. Um. Would you even want to bless us? I mean, and like being with us today, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sitting there like, listen, God wants to do some booming stuff in your life, and he's waiting for you to ask him. Ask him freely. Think of his bigness. When you pray, something that's in his will, if he don't, if he's not going to do it, it's okay. But what you do is he's still going to do something, but just because he doesn't do what you ask, doesn't mean he's not going to do it. And whatever that he's going to do, he's going to do it above what you asked or thought. Now it doesn't say, see, most of us quote this verse. Now unto him was able to do exceedingly above all you can ask a thing. That's not in the verse. Subjunctive phraseology is not in there. It's an indicative. So, so that means 
that whatever you actually ask, he determined to upgrade it. What did you ask God this week that's in his will? And God is saying, I'm going to upgrade you with spiritual software, but all of this stuff is going to be ways in which I'm glorified because it's under me, not under you. That's why every time God provides something for his people, he warns them. He warns them. If you look at, if you, if you look at Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy is really a restatement of the Pentateuch before it. And so when you look in Deuteronomy, God warns the people. He says, now, I'm about to act dumb in your life. I'm about to do some crazy, just stupid blessing. He says, but when you get there, don't forget the one who put you there. In other words, don't forget where you came from. So, so the issue is with many of us is we got to not forget the one who provides abundantly and above all that we ask or think. That's very, very, very important for the believer. But listen to what he says after that. He says, now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than you ask or think. Now, this is powerful. He says, according to the power that is at work in you. What is the power of God? The gospel. The gospel is the multivitamin pill of the omnipotence of God. Romans 1.16. <laughs> and in this chapter, he goes forth and he talks to you about the gospel. Verse 6, the gospel. Verse 7 of this gospel. Um, he goes all the way through over and over again and talk about the gospel. Um, and then he talks about the power of God working, working his power as showing us that the gospel is the power that works. Now, he says, according to the power that is at work in you. This is, this is, this is powerful. So there are several contingencies upon God doing super abundantly in your life. The contingency is, is that the power of the gospel is growing in you. Here at Epiphany Fellowship, we don't believe the gospel is just for unbelievers. We believe that the gospel is also for Christians. You don't, you don't get saved by faith and then, then you do the rest of the Christian life. We're going to keep saying it until we get it. You don't do the rest of the Christian life without God's help. God, Paul told the Galatian church, who has bewitched you? You have began by faith. Now who has bewitched you? You start being sanctified by works. So the gospel not only is the training wheels for you beginning faith, but it's also the way you ride the bike. And so when he says, according to the power, that is the gospel that is at work in you, God only provides the depth of superabundance in your life based on the level of the power of the gospel that you submitted to. So if you're living a works-based Christian life, God can't do super abundantly because he's, he's, he's all, he said, I'm not going to do more than anything in someone's life who isn't using the fuel in which I flame their faith with, and I'm not going to provide this. And so according to the power of the gospel that's at work in you, how is the gospel working in your life right now? How are you applying the gospel to your life? By faith alone, through grace alone, through? See, that's the whole Christian life. 
according to the power that is at work in you. That is extremely, extremely important. That means our core value commitment, you have to begin by the power of God committing each and every area of your life to dying. See, there can be no uh, bringing of anything into existence until something dies. God doesn't work like that. That means we have to die to something in order for God to resurrect something. That's why Paul says that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, the dead but what do I want to do? I have to fellowship with his sufferings. That's gospel-centered living. But God, always when he gives you a visionary picture of what he's going to provide, he never tells you what the journey is going to be like getting there. Never. He said, Moses, let my, I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses was like, well, who should I tell him? I am that I am. But God didn't tell Moses about the children of Israel and the way they were going to act. God didn't tell him about that. See, 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 God never tells you about the strategy. He just gives you the vision. God gives you the vision of what a preferred future is like that he wants you to hope for him in. But he never tells you about the journey. And I don't understand. Some of y'all think, oh, God, I, I see God is going to do a major work. Hallelujah. He's going to do a major work. Hallelujah. And you're excited about the vision. But then God allows life to give you a sucker punch. And you get dazed. And you act like you don't do the hallelujah no more. What you begin to do is you begin to back up from God, get angry with God, and frustrated with God. But God is saying, don't just believe me when I give you a word in excitement. Because that's the easy time. It's easy, parable of the soil, to receive the word of God with joy. But then when the, when the world starts coming after you like thorns and thistles, are you going to let it choke out the word? Because if you let it choke out the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if the word is gone, then there's no future to look at. There's no faith. There's no unto him. This is very important. And so I guarantee you, I can promise you and prophesy this morning that when God shows you something from the Bible that he's going to bring to pass, I prophesy something bad is going to happen. And I'm just telling you, don't lose the picture. I, I remember back in the days when, before digital TV and all that, we had to use antennas. You know what I'm saying? Rabbit ears. Y'all don't know about rabbit ears. You turn the thing, and it goes different directions. Man, and then Pookie and them would play, or Mama would break the antenna because she got mad at you. And she, I don't know if you ever got a whooping. Lord have mercy with an antenna. Y'all can't do that no more. People call the popo on you. But, but we would put Reynolds wrap on the top of the joint. Saran wrap. And then one person who's the lowest on the totem pole would go up to the TV. And there's a show everybody wants to watch. Turn it to, a little more to the left. 
to the to the left, to the right, and hold, hold, ah, hold it right there. And you got to stand like this and have, you know what I'm saying, like that. Listen, listen, when we look at God, God wants to do whatever he can do to get you back focused. Because he tests you to see if all you want is the picture or all you want is him. See, if you want the picture, he's done with you until he works into you him. I'm going to keep saying it until somebody gets it. Because you're still believing God for a spouse, but you're looking at the person you want, not the God who gives that person. That's why so many of us are so picky, because we look at people and not the person. My, my, my. That's a whole nother sermon. But see, I want you to walk away today crazy about bombarding the throne of grace walking around with humble swagger what you walking like that about i mean i ain't cool i'm just believing god for something dumb humble swagger that god can bring things to pass one of the things that i pray what do we believe in god for as a church one of the things that we believe in god for is we're believing god that people will commit Oh, we got quiet right there. That people would commit beyond attendance. See, that's what we believe in God for. We believe in God that people would get in community together and open up their lives with different sectors of the body and mutually pour their lives into others. Guess what else we We believe in God that 100% of the people that go through covenant community will plug in and serve, commit to the core values, and become missional. Wow. We're believing that every believer that trusts Jesus Christ and is here will be centered their lives on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're believing God for God now, not believe because when we look at one another, we're like, oh man, it's not about to happen. But when we look at God, when we look at the one who is able, we're believing God that whites and blacks and Latinos and Asians can be in community more than on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're believing God that all people who don't have a job would not just get a job, but get a career. We're believing that God would turn people that are renters into purchasers so that they may seek the peace of the city that he sent us and have a heart for this city. We're believing God that he's going to plant churches through Epiphany Fellowship in Germantown, in Camden, in Logan. Oh, y'all going in Northwood, in far northeast, in mid-northeast, in northeast, Philly. I mean, North Philly, West Philly, Overbrook, South Philly, South. We believe in God that he's going to saturate Philadelphia with the gospel. We're believing that God is going to make this generation a community of Christ-centered mentors for the next generation. Y'all ain't believing with me. We're believing that God is going to help us not to get priced out of this community so that we can purchase as much property as we can, not for our own sake, but so that we may do massive amounts of incarnational ministry. We're believing God for a community of godly women who, who see biblical womanhood 
has not a subpar understanding of womanhood. That's what we believe in God for. That's what we're praying for. But they would see it as there's only one way of womanhood, and that's Christ's way of womanhood. We're believing for men. Men who don't like thugism, but love theism. And who are so beefy in their Christianity that they're worthy leaders to engage people with the gospel, to lead a wife without her asking you and begging you, pray with me, get in the word with me, spend some time with me. We're believing God for that. We're believing God for college students who will not sleep around on a college campus. We're believing God for people from this community not being regentrified, but through the gospel, by property, stand up and don't need any handouts, but only hands up. We believe in God for big things, but it's about him. It's about him. And the last part, and I'm going to close on this. <laughs> let's Listen to how he localized that thing. He says, to him be glory. Wow. Where? In the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. God has called us not to have an individual faith but a chain of faith. This is important. See, God likes it when his people believe him for the same stuff together. In other words, we are supposed to, that mean, that's the way we really touch and agree. As we begin having faith for the same things, that's a part of community. When you're in community with someone, whatever God, you want God to do in their life specifically, but also among us, we believe him together. What are you believing with God's church for God to do through Christ? What are you believing him for? Him. That's centered on him. Anybody can talk about why the church ain't doing this and why the church ain't doing that. Y'all don't reach out over here. Y'all don't do this over here. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Where are you in community with someone? And who are you linked up in faith with, committed with Christ at the center, in communion with them, looking for conversions and executing culturally relevant ministry? Where are you doing it at? That's what we believe here. And if someone's going to link up with us, you're going to have a hard time if you don't value those things. And so it's very important that we vulture on our faith. See, alone... Every lion can run by themselves. I remember the lions used to get tore up on Voltron by themselves. But then when the, when the main dude would say link up, you know the lion's head would come up and the head would come out. And he'd go, cacao, 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 cacao. Then he'd make a sword and start lighting stuff up. But it was only when they got together, when they linked their power together to work together to do some work. And that's what we got to do, family. And so... We're going to be not a faith-based organization, but a faith-based organism. And so we pray today that by the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're here today, if you're here today and you don't 
know Jesus Christ as Savior, that you would repent of your sin. Repent. That's the first step. You've got to repent. You've got to turn away from your belief of what life should be like, who you're believing in life about or for, and turn to the one who died on the cross for your sin. That's a mad important piece. So you've got to repent and turn towards him. The Bible says he made him who knew no sin become sin on our behalves. So Jesus Christ took the beef that God had with us and God took it out on Jesus instead of taking it out on us. If we trust that God crushed Jesus for our behalf and raised him from the dead, you're saved, fam. So if that's you and you want to trust Christ, we got some cards on the back table. Please make sure those cards are on the back table. And fill them out and put them in our prayer box. And we want to connect with you. We want to call you. And our follow-up team want to connect with you and talk with you more clearly about what it looks like to come from spiritual death to spiritual life. Father, we thank you for faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Help us not have pipe dream prayers. Help us not to have pipe dream faith. Help us not to have faith in our faith. Correct us. Edit us. For your name's sake. And Lord God, for the person that doesn't know you, I pray in Jesus Christ's name that you would touch them, that they would turn from their sin and turn towards Jesus Christ. Turn towards the Lord Jesus Christ. So as our men come... Today, we celebrate communion every single Sunday. And we just ask that if you are not a believer, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, we ask that you would let the cup pass. But if you know Jesus as Savior, that you would, that, that if you feel, feel good about taking communion today, that you would take communion. Because um, we remember the Lord's death through the work of Christ through communion. So we, we want to invite you with us today to submit to one of the ordinances or sacraments of the church called communion. Um, so let our men come and let us prepare our hearts and minds for communion.